Well, they may call this the dog days of summer, but it is not. Believe me, it is not the dog days of the Baseball Elite Podcast. We don't do that around here. Ray and I, we're, we're acting like it's opening day every Monday that we get together. Uh, Ray, good to be talking some baseball. Um, I will say it's not the dog days, but I will call it the stretch run. I mean, it, it's getting serious for a lot of us out there in fantasy baseball. Absolutely is. And, uh, you know, the interesting part about this is, and I've said this all season, and, you know, that's why we're still doing this podcast. That's why we're still writing the articles. That's why I'm still in the chat room every day. This season, more than any other, I think, is the grind. And everyone knows that the, you know, seasonal baseball game is that way, you know, 26 weeks, 162 games and all of that. But the injuries just keep happening. Guys yeah. keep getting shut down, things. And, you know, I've said it all along, especially on the pitching side of things, we're going to grind this out. And hopefully the listeners will let us be part of their championship winning grind in 2021. And, and we're going to dig in to that pitching grind here a bit on, on the podcast. But I will say this, Ray, it is very rare that everybody in the industry is right about the same thing. But everybody this year was correct about pitching. Like, you know, it's it's going to be limited. There's going to be guys skipped. We're, we're not going to have a good run of it's these five starters in the month of August and September. Like no team in baseball is doing that. And, you know, that speaks to how pitching and how you got to manage it. I was, you know, I was looking at a team and, and we'll talk about our, our host league here in a bit in which Ray and I are jockeying back and forth. We're, we're, we're going head to head right now in that league. Um, and Ray, I had like a half dozen pitchers on the I.L., and last night I'm getting ready to make some bids and it's like, well, which of these guys actually can come back and do anything? Which of these guys are going to be shut down? Which of these guys will be protected by their team? And, and like that became the decisive factor as to whether or not I was dropping a guy. It's <laughs> you're just guessing as to what the outlook is, like what's the number of innings? that I can get over the next six weeks from so-and-so. And it's so tough because, you know, the assumption is, hey, if you're a young guy and you, we don't know what you threw last year, right? That's the, the great unknown. There's no official numbers for all these guys that were at the alternative camp and all that. You know, it's what, what are those guys going to throw? But then there's also the veterans. And I think a lot of people said, oh, you know, Kyle Davis. And you know, these guys are just going to throw their 172 innings this year. And it's like, well, logically, it makes sense. They've done it before. They've been around all of that. But you don't know how the, the you know, last season is going to affect these guys this year. You know, we had players admit they weren't even in shape when the season started last year because they didn't know if they were going to play. And there could be carryover this year. So even some of the players that we expect on the Hill to be able to take the ball and make 31 starts this year, whatever, they may not be able to make it because either their body fails or because their performance hits the, hits the toilet. So it's going to be fascinating down the stretch. Or because their team is just awful. Like, true too. you know, the, the, the twins are way worse than we thought. Um, maybe they'll start shutting down the, the Maedas and the mm -hmm. uh, Pinedas of the world. Who mm -hmm. knows? I mean, he's already injured, but you just don't know. Like Washington, they blew it up. Yep. You know, they, who knows who's pitching for Washington on a day-to-day -day basis? Kind of the same thing with the Cubs. You know, it's it's totally different. They may shut down Kyle Hendricks at some point. I mean, why, why push Kyle Hendricks? So these are all issues that uh, we're not only going to talk about today, but we're going to talk about really over the next few weeks. Let's get to the starting nine for today, shall we? Uh, leading off, we'll talk about some stunning Sundays that went down just 24 hours ago. Um, in the two hole, it is the hunt for pitching, any pitching down the stretch. We'll throw out a few names that are popping up. Uh, following up on that in the three spot is the waiver wire in our Sirius XM host league. Let's just say there were a lot of people making bargain bin bids on pitching. So we'll talk about those in the cleanup spot. We will uh, spotlight perhaps the greatest lost season of them all. Are you an owner of Alberto Mondesi? Are you going through hell on earth in 2021? <laughs> it's been one disaster after another. We had another one over the weekend with him. So we'll profile what has gone so drastically wrong in the four hole. Speaking of bad seasons, we got to tackle the whole Christian Yelich thing. Let's do a player profile of him in the five spot. In the six hole, it's Rob Povia's weekly planner highlights from over at fantasyguru.com. Uh, we'll talk some news and notes at seven, random reference at eight, and then we'll finish things off in the starting nine with our stamp of approval. Uh, Ray, let's start with the Sunday action. One of the joys of doing this every Monday is we get all that action on Sunday and we see some big storylines happen. It's the start of a brand new week. And holy moly, Ray, Fernando Tatis Jr. He's back. He kills it. He's doing great. But I guess the fantasy storyline here is he's in the outfield 
um, as he came back. Is this going to stick? Are we going to have a dual eligibility Fernando Tatis going into next season? Yeah, it kind of looks like the Padres have made the decision to utilize him in the outfield for a couple of reasons. One, and, and they're not really saying this, but let's just face it. He's a butcher at shortstop. He's awful defensively. <laughs> and I read an article over at The Athletic, I think it was Dennis Lynn, talking about how the organization kind of quietly for years has been like, eh, like uh, we hope he can handle shortstop, but, and, you know, the, the errors, the UZR, the advance, it all says he's terrible defensively. So that's part of this. But the main reason they're selling this is saying, well, of course, you know, there's less likelihood of there being stress and injury on his shoulder. Now, in theory, I get that. It makes a lot of sense. Now, the problem with that is what happens the first time that a ball's hit in the gap and he starts running and he dives for it, or he's running at full speed, he catches it and he rolls over, you know, and or he tries to uncork a throw 300 feet. So, and let's also not forget that the shoulder has gone out playing defense, running the bases. Like, it, this is not solving the problem. Yeah. But it looks like that's kind of what the plan is. And I think the big takeaway here is that, you know, we're, we're likely to see, I guess, Will Myers and Tommy Pham probably lose playing time here because I can't imagine Trent Christian Wells as a center fielder. So, you know, Pham and, and Myers, who are two useful pieces in the fantasy game, probably lose playing time because of this too. Yeah, you, you bring up the protection aspect. And, yeah, that is how this is being sold. I'm glad you brought up the, the defense at short. This sounds silly, but maybe it could be long-term. You know, they, they've got another prospect um, coming up through the ranks, and, and he had a knee injury this year, but – He's kind of seen as a shortstop slash second baseman, so they could certainly make that move. And, you know, on the injury front, Ray, it's it's good to have him back, but it, it's very obvious everything we've said since March is still there that every day could be the last day, you know, for Fernando Tatis. You just don't know. It's, it's remarkable how good he's been, Ray, because it's insane. Like, this is MVP-level stuff. Absolutely. He just hasn't been out there enough. But, I, I mean, if he could be out there doing this stuff, we're talking about a guy who – really would be a 40-40 guy this year. You know, if he had played enough games, he, he could be 40-50. I don't know. It's like the sky's the limit. And we saw it yesterday. It's like, boom, boom, two home runs, four hits, three runs, four ribbies. Now you get this outfield aspect going for you too. You know, that <laughs> that could actually make a difference for some lineups out there. The fact that you can now move them in the outfield come September. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge boost to his value. We, I, I mean, when's the last time we had a significant player qualify at shortstop in the outfield you know not a not a mile straw when he was you know on the bench and playing 72 games like a significant player it's such a huge advantage and you know i guess the upside here is that let's hope he plays 20 games in the outfield so he qualifies there everywhere next year and then he'll be the second pick in the draft behind Shohei otani in every draft uh now you have to check your league qualifications in season some some leagues it's one five ten fifteen twenty like it's all over the place how long it'll take him to pick it up this year in the outfield. Um, but, you know, this is obviously a massive boost to his value. If indeed he does add that, let's not overlook the fact that, you know, as we discussed every time we've talked about him, everyone believes a shoulder surgery is necessary at some point. Does he do that this off season? We'll have to wait and see, but uh, it is certainly a benefit for a guy that didn't need a benefit. It just allows your team the potential to theoretically move him to the outfield. If you've got, let's say an overload, in the middle infield position. He has missed more than 30 games this season, and yet he still leads the National League in home runs and steals. Remarkable. <laughs> he leads baseball in slugging OPS and OPS plus. So <laughs> he is killing it, to put it lightly. Um, also on Sunday, Ray, Tristan McKenzie. Oh, yeah, remember him? The guy, Ray, uh, lousy this year. Can't find the strike zone. And then yesterday against Detroit, not only finding the strike zone, but avoiding walks, getting out after out. The guy came four outs of a perfect game. Um, I look at it as a one-off. I got to see a lot more from Tristan McKenzie before this truly means anything, but good for him to finally have a positive in 2021. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there have been some, there's been some really nice effort from, the, from him and there have been some really dreadful efforts from him. And, and that, that's not overly surprising because we we all know he's got arm talent. There's there's no disputing that, and we saw that in that great effort over the weekend. Um, you know he's he's built like a toothpick, but he throws 96 miles an hour and he's got good stuff. The problem has long been for him 
uh, an inability to harness his stuff and an inability to consistently, you know, make the pitches that are necessary. Um, and, and we've seen that, especially this season. I mean, whether we're talking the minors or the majors, you know, he's made 23 appearances and he's walking five guys per nine innings. Like he's just had a really hard time this season. And in the past, that hasn't been a huge issue for him. The walk rate has always been slightly better than average. So it's really strange that this year has just been a mess. He hasn't been able to lock it in consistently, but we saw the dominance that last time out. I agree with you. It's hard to say I'm in, right? It's hard to feel that comfort level because of the fact it's been so topsy-turvy, but he's absolutely someone that, you know, the last six weeks of the season here could lock it in and be a force. It could go either way though. So Tatis and McKenzie, they were the headliners. I do want to give a shout out to Sal Perez who hit his 30th home run. That's a catcher hitting 30 home runs and, and not batting 201. You know, that's a catcher hitting 280 <laughs> with 30 home runs up to 75 RBIs. It's I, I just wanted to point it out, Ray, because mm-hmm. like Sal Perez, in terms of overall value, is lapping the field at catcher, is he not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just phenomenal. And, you know, you, you mentioned there, we, we know that Perez is a, a 2070 kind of player, right? He does it every year. Every year he's healthy, he does it. The interesting thing this year has been the batting average because – that is, you know, we, we, we know this catcher type, right? It's, it's the Gary Sanchez type. It's the guy who'll slug and produce runs. But, well, he had 333 last year, did Salvador Perez. We all know that was, you know, sample size. Okay, fine. He's in 277 this year. I mean, you know, he hasn't hit that high since, what, 2013? So if he finishes this year and it's looking like a legitimate chance that he goes at least 3590, if he's hitting 260 plus while doing that, lapping the field is a good way to put it. You know what's crazy about him? The most remarkable number. And again, it's the American League, so you can get away with this. But, Ray, the Royals have played 116 games. Yeah. Sal Perez, 115 games. Pretty remarkable. That's yeah. the knock on catchers. Like, how do you get games? Sal Perez, even when he's not catching, he's DHing. Like, the dude doesn't get days off. It's unheard of. Um, especially at his age, it's kind of crazy. Um, and that's a bonus, too, at that position, just having a guy who shows up. Um, every day and that you don't have to worry about missing games, if you will. Uh, so again, a shout out to Sal Perez, McKenzie Tatis, some stunning Sundays there. Okay, Ray, let's go to the two hole. Um, hunting for pitching. We referenced it at the start today. People are just looking for any pitching. And, and over the weekend, I guess it speaks to 2021, right? We had a guy throw a no hitter who I bet in you take every fantasy baseball league out there right now, mm-hmm. the millions of them. And Ray, maybe he was rostered in 0.0001% of yeah, those 27 leagues. of the leagues in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler Gilbert, mm-hmm. Tyler Gilbert, out of nowhere, first major league start. He throws a no hitter on Saturday. Um, you know, I'm seeing guys like uh, Neil Cortez, um, the Gill guy in New York. It's like, it, it, and they're everywhere. Um, and it's so hard as a fantasy owner to figure out what the heck matters. Let's let's start with Gilbert. Does it matter? Like, I I was bidding on pitching. I didn't even bother bother with Tyler Gilbert last night. Yeah, I'm I, I'm gonna say it doesn't matter. I love by the way how he he did you see his audio? He was on MLB Network Radio and he said I didn't even have my best stuff. He's like I didn't think I was gonna <laughs> pitch well. <laughs> so that tells you sometimes what the bullpen uh, speaks to. I mean Tyler Gilbert. You know, he, he doesn't even register on prospect charts. <laughs> you know? And he's 27. Let's not forget that. He's had years. He's 27 years old. He's drafted in 2015. Um, he doesn't, re- you know, you can go look him up. He's not anywhere to be seen. And, you know, he, this is a, a, a guy who's, who's worked at his craft and, you know, has been very solid. If you look at his numbers over the years, they're very solid numbers. He just doesn't have any skill that jumps off the page. And so... You never know how these type of pitchers in particular are going to go. More of a touch and feel kind of guy. And maybe he beguiles some teams a little bit because they haven't seen him before and all that kind of stuff. So maybe he gets a little bit of run here, but he's not a swing and miss kind of guy. And that's that's something that, you know, when I see a young pitcher or a pitcher that doesn't have any experience in big leagues, I want to see a guy that misses bats because, you know, you can go out and, and when you're facing 20 year olds in the minors and, have a low walk rate and keep the ball in the yard just because you can change speeds and locations. Right. Um, in his, in his defense, he does that well, but on the other side, again, doesn't miss bats. And so that to me is the one 
point that really stands out here. Not to mention, you know, what what does he have to offer in terms of durability here? I mean, he threw 47 innings last year. The year before that, it was like 75 innings. The year before that, it was 60 innings. He's already at 65 innings right now. So he's already pushing up against where he's been for years now. So there's a lot of negatives with him. I think it's probably going to be a one-off, but what a hell of a one-off. Well, and you, you talked about missing bats. The two Yankees guys, I, I said Gil, Luis Hill, um, spelt Gil, but Hill, and Nestor Cortez, they've been missing bats, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in the case of Hill, it's what? 10, 12 innings, something like that. Um, but do either of those guys interest you down the stretch? The Yankees are getting back Garrett Cole today, right. uh, Monday night. Uh, but I mean, gosh, their their roster, their starting rotation, it's like all hands on deck. So maybe Cortez and Hill are actually going to get some run here down the next six weeks. Well, Montgomery's supposed to return tomorrow too, both Montgomery and Cole from COVID. So that's two guys that are locked in to the rotation, if healthy. Andrew Heaney, I assume, was locked in, but boy, I <laughs> that's ugly. It, you know, I wrote, yeah, I wrote about this on uh, on trade deadline day in the trade de- deadline diary. I'm like, if there's ever been a worse match for a type of pitcher in a ballpark, tell me, because he's a fly ball guy who gets beat for home runs. Let's put him in Yankee Stadium. Oh my! So that who knows? I mean, Jamison Tyone has really turned around his season, yeah. right? But we're luck- we're talking workload concerns with him at this point because you know, he hasn't hasn't pitched for a couple years. So, you know, you can't look at Hill and, and Cortez and say no. Like you said, it's all hands on deck here. Heaney could get removed. Tyone could have starts skipped. So I think both Hill and Cortez have the ability to make starts the rest of the way. Are they locked into the rotation? I wouldn't go that far. Well, and, and we have not only those young guys who, you know, they're, they're fresh off the minor leagues and then we're kind of crossing our fingers to see, but you know, like in the next week or so, Ray, um, and again, we're talking about pitching. Everybody's looking for it. People are going to be looking at Miles Michaelis, who's mm-hmm. coming off the IL, barely pitched this year. Um, Elisar Hernandez is coming off the IL. It looks like Oscar Noah coming off the IL for Atlanta. I haven't seen him in months. Um, remember Ronaldo Lopez? He, he's actually having a run of success, I guess, two starts, but we'll call mm-hmm. it a run. Those are names, Ray, that are available and and maybe people have forgotten about them because they've missed so much time or they just disappeared. But those could also be guys down the stretch that can make a difference. Yeah, we have Rob Povia's weekly planner up and he talks about all this a lot and kind of goes through some of the names and the smaller names. I, of course, you know, comment on these guys in my ramblings piece. Um, Lopez is someone who I had in the Series X and Dynasty League with the 45-man rosters, and I've had him for like three years, maybe four, and I eventually I just dropped him early this year because it's like I just can't anymore. Um, big, <laughs> big arm, right? Like there's always that potential there, and you're right, better of late. Um, I don't know if he sticks in the rotation. I don't know if he can continue to get outs. Michaelis, with all the setbacks with his arm, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not interested there. I'm not going to be the guy bidding on him. The other two? Eliezer Hernandez, and you know what? Yeah, because those are guys with big arms. They're youngsters, and it looks like they have opportunities. The Braves obviously have a good squad. They're pushing for the playoffs. You know, before he punched a wall like a dipstick, uh, was pitching really well, flashing high velocity. Uh, Hernandez came back yesterday and pitched very well. Um, He's missed, what, I think 10 weeks. He missed that leg issue, but he's going to slot right back in to that Marlins pitching staff. You know, Pablo Lopez, when does he return? We don't know for sure. Um, Poteet had another setback with his knee. Trevor Rogers is still away dealing with family matters. So I think those middle two, uh, Eliezer Hernandez and Oscar, you know, are the two to be looking at of those four. And and like a week from now, Ray, we'll probably be talking about three or four other names. It's possible. You yeah. know, that's it's it's and and so you can get carried away. If you if you really care about this stuff and you're following the box scores every night, you're gonna see names popping up and oh wow, a good six inning start for this guy. Oh wow, a, a, another victory for this guy. That's three in a row. And you know, their teams probably get excited. And I think fantasy players get excited, but, and, 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 and this works two ways. You understand the guy probably isn't that good in a lot of these cases, but there's also the understanding that you don't need them to be good for six months. You, you may only need them to be good for two weeks you know, to get you to the finish line. And this is also the point, Ray, where those two start weeks mm-hmm. can really start to pay off. The issue there, though, and this is always a two-start week issue, but I, I think it's very prevalent now, is, Ray, we, we have to make our bids on Sunday. Right. We, we know they're going to start on Monday, but are we sure they're going to start the following Saturday or Sunday? These things just change 
at a moment's notice and that can really blow up these plans. So you're keeping all that in mind when you're making bids on these guys. Yeah. And it's very, it's just very difficult. And you, you know, you, I, anyone at fantasy guru uh, could give great advice on a Saturday or Sunday. And by Wednesday, the advice is wrong, but not because the advice was bad. It's because the teams change plans. And, you know, we are at that point in time where, you know, we're going to, we're going to see this happen a lot. And there's nothing that we can do. We can only go with the information we have. I, I, I look at the, I, you know, the example of the Detroit Tigers. And I, I spoke about this over the weekend. You know, they've got Manning, Mize, and Scooble, who they basically have admitted they're not pitching on a regular schedule. Um, they, you know, AJ Hinch, the manager, said they might even get up to eight days between outings. <laughs> oh, okay, so we don't so think about that. Eight days between outings. We think he's going to pitch on Saturday. He doesn't even pitch till the next week. Yes. So. You know, there's only so much we can do here. We'll, we'll do our best at Fantasy Guru to update everyone, give them all the information they need, because it is vital at this point, not only to break down matchups properly, but to know who's actually on the field for the matchup to matter. Well, and that discussion slides naturally to the three spot of our lineup, um, talking about the waiver wire victories. We do it every week here on the show. We always focus on the Sirius XM Host League. Uh, both Ray and I are in this, and we're jockeying back and forth in the standings been fun the last couple of uh, weeks to, to follow that and ray uh, both of us are still bidding um on pitching <laughs> yeah. i don't have much money and i have even less money now but you know a lot of these guys we were talking about there were i had a lot of one dollar bids on some relievers i'm kind of looking for whip help mm-hmm. um so i was maybe get some cheap whip uh you went in on enoa got him for three bucks um i ended up with ronaldo lopez at three bucks i also got marco gonzalez I, I went six bucks on Gonzalez and Ray, it's nothing about his talent, but he's one of those guys I feel a little bit better at that. Okay. They're just going to pitch him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I hope that's the case. God, I mean, we'll probably find out 24 hours after this goes live that he's done for the season, but I just looked at Marco Gonzalez and said, okay, there's a bunch of dudes that I don't know what they're going to give me over the next six weeks. But I feel Gonzalez is an every five day kind of starter. Um, we, he has faults. He's not a strikeout arm, but it's like, he'll get me innings. Maybe I'll get some wins. I could use that too. So I did Gonzalez. I did Lopez. You did Enoa. Uh, there was a ton of money spent on Cal Quantrill. Um, I think that was just somebody sitting around with cash, almost 60 bucks on yeah. Cal Quantrill. But, uh, those were kind of the names that went off yesterday. Um, Enoa, you had to feel good getting him for three bucks. I did. And I went, you mentioned six, I went $3 on like 12 guys. Uh-huh. And I did two. I actually got Bailey Ober too. I got them but Ober and Yanoa for three dollars. Um, I had my three dollars for Quantrill wasn't enough. Um because <laughs> I, I I I looked at this and I said, same kind of thing you did that I, I need pitching, okay, and, and we're gonna go. And I was actually also able to get Joe Barlow for four dollars. It looks like he's probably the closer now for the, the Rangers. So that you know, hopefully will give me just a few saves there. But it was one of those things where I was looking, you know. Ober and, you know, I think have some good matchups coming up here. Uh, we can see some two-start weeks out of both those guys. Ober is very interesting because he changed um, his his style of throwing the slider last time out and gained like four miles an hour on the pitch. And I don't know. I wrote about Chris Bubik doing the same thing earlier this season, and the next time out, the velocity was gone. So it's I, it's hard to believe you can gain four, hour, four miles an hour on a pitch by changing how you throw it. But, um, you know, ba- Bailey Ober has been pretty solid. He's been pretty effective. We'll see. You know, again, big arm. Um, I had three dollars on Marco Gonzalez, so you just outbid me there on him. <laughs> I know. Um, gotcha. Yeah, you did. You did. I think I, mean, I had a buck on Enoa, so you got me there. <laughs> it was so bad. Like you know, I, I'm. I had three dollars on Matt Harvey. I had three dollars on Patrick Ugh. Corbin. I had three dollars on Brett Anderson. It, it's what you're talking about. It's like, and and by the way, Cortez and Hill. I bet three put three dollars on both of them too. <laughs> it, it was trying to you know just trying to get these guys and I'm not tied to any of these guys. I've got a little bit more money than you. I could play the $3 game. I think every week, the rest of the way I've got a buck now. Yeah. I've got like 84 or something. So I've got, I've got the hammer cob, which I don't because <laughs> people in this league have hundreds of dollars, but yeah, it, it's it, it, the Marco Gonzalez comment you made makes sense because you are down to such a low amount of money because you know, these other pitchers, you know, Bailey over could get shut down in three weeks. You know, you know, it could get removed from the rotation if he has a couple of rough starts. Right. So I understand what you did given the funds you had available. On the hitting side, uh, Lewis Brinson hitting cleanup for the Marlins and finally kind of figuring it out. Uh, he goes for 40. And then, Ray, I, I wanted to point out Tyler Wade. And I, I I think a lot of people have already figured this out, and maybe they figured it out last night. But if you need steals, Ray, mm-hmm. 
Tyler Wade's maybe a guy who can get you two spots in the, in the Roto standings <laughs> right now. He's still in like crazy. I don't know if he has an everyday spot in the lineup. The Yankees have guys in, they have guys out. I mean, it's kind of crazy right now, but when Tyler Wade's on, even at the bottom of the order, Ray, they are letting him run. And that may be kind of a, a sneaky lift off over the next month plus. Yeah. And I think some other names, Yanni Hernandez, Jorge Mateo. I don't know if they're available on waivers anymore because they've kind of been out there a little bit. Mateo is a guy that I focused on when the, you know, was moved to the Orioles and said, I'm going to give that guy a shot um, because, you know, I think the Orioles are going to let him play every day. Tyler Wade's another one. And, you know, it, it, it's tough to play a guy. And by the way, Tyler Wade's, you know, hitting 450 his last nine games. It's not like he's not hitting either, but he's not a hitter. You know, he's not going to do anything for you offensively other than steal a bag. Is it the point of the season where, you know, five, six steals make a difference? It might. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you don't get any power. Maybe you don't get any RBIs. Maybe you suck that up for a couple of weeks to try to get some run in the stolen base department. And he's on that list. Yeah, I did it a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, it was in this league with Rafael Ortega. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the guy's 30. He's a journeyman. He's a nobody. But I, I could use a few stolen bases. said, what the hell? He's going to lead off for the Cubs. They're going to play him every day. Uh, they're not trying to win. Why not throw Rafael Ortega yeah, out? They're there? not trying so, to win. <laughs> that's what I did. I think they're, what's their losing streak up to? Like 10, 11 games now? It's yeah, brutal yeah. In, in Chicago. Hey, speaking of uh, brutal things and stolen bases, let's go to the cleanup spot. Um, Ray, we, we had more news yesterday bad news on Adalberto Mondesi, um, who I think had his 17th setback with his oblique. Yeah. Uh, he should get I a surgery that. to remove his obliques, Kyle. Let's, let's uh, yeah. Just, just go in there and get it out. Just take it out. All the muscles. And it got me thinking, Ray, like it, he was such a point of contention coming into the year. Um, and I'd love to say, see, I told you, and I know you'd love to say that too. You know, it's an injury. You don't expect that to happen. Um, you know, I, I didn't think I'd win the argument because of that. Uh, but Ray Alberto Mondesi is a guy at the crossroads right now who it is such a bad season of non-playing. He only got in 10 games. Um, when he was out there, he was fine. You know, he was doing well, but I really wonder what his future is not only in fantasy, but even with the Royals, this is just a guy who can't stay on the field. He's been a part of six major league seasons and he has one year of more than 75 games, like one year out of six years of more than 75. It's crazy. But this year goes down as one of the biggest toilet flushes of all time in fantasy baseball. Nice way to say that. <laughs> um, the, our listeners here at fantasy guru, the people that have been with us since the off season, since before the year began, didn't draft this guy. You didn't draft this guy, right folks? Cause I, I said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Now, Kyle's right. There's no way anyone could have predicted an effort like this. So I'm not claiming success because of that. But I'm just saying I hope you listen to the advice to avoid him because it was very strong on this end. The fantasy industry, whether we're playing baseball, football, hockey, basketball, whatever it is, loves guys like Adalberto Mondesi. When we're in this right now in football season, right, a guy goes out and throws one touchdown pass in the preseason and he goes up you know, 18 spots in the rankings in ADP. Adalberto Mondesi has great fantasy skills but he's a bad baseball player. I've said this, I, and I wrote all the numbers where he's like bottom 3% in the league, bottom 5% in the league. Okay. So we had that component. Now we've got the other component that Kyle referenced here. This player has been with the organization for 10 years. He's been with them for a decade. 2012 was when he started, okay? He's got to be on a different team. <laughs> it's the only chance he has because I have heard audio for the general manager saying he can't play every day. I've heard audio from the manager saying he can't play every day. They've, they've moved on as an organization. They don't look at him as a full-time player anymore. And it's not that, and I had this discussion with someone in the chat room last week when this news was starting to break. It's not that he can't still play 120 games and hit 18 home runs until 34 bases, right? It's not that he can't have a use in the fantasy game, but the Royals don't believe he physically can handle playing every day. So they have, they, again, their organization is moving on from that idea he, in the best case scenario, is a super sub that has power and speed. And after, like you said, all the setbacks this season, I don't know. I have no idea where he's going to be drafted next year other than to say, I bet he's still overdrafted. Yeah. Here's two things. I, w- I want to start with the Royals aspect of this, Ray. I find it hard to believe. Like, if he's healthy, they're going to make him their shortstop, aren't they? I, I know you're, you nailed it. That, that's what the GM said. We can't keep this guy healthy. 
But I just can't fathom that they're going to say, well, we can't keep him healthy. We know he's better than Nicky Lopez, but we're scared to throw him out there as an everyday starter. I, I still think he can do that, but you may be right. Maybe he can't even stay healthy in spring. And we don't have to worry about that. And the second part, I think, is, is more pertinent to us. The idea that we're going to hear this next spring that, oh, hey, last year he, he was injured, you know, write it off. He's he's back. Same arguments, Ray. They're, they're just and I get it. This year has been unlucky. When, when you've had this many oblique injuries, okay, that's unlucky. Uh, but that does also speak to how severe this injury can be, reminder. Yep. Um, but, Ray, we're going to hear the same arguments on the seat next year, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're just going to be back playing the same game. And I, I, I think, sure, you can write off this year, but you can't write off six years of Mondesi. And, and that's really what we have occurring here. Um, do we have a position? Do we have a spot in the lineup even? Uh, have the Royals moved on? Um, there's going to be, it's going to be a lot easier for you and me, I think, to convince people to bail on them, but I know people will still be out there making the argument for Mondesi. Yeah. And it's easy to make the argument for Mondesi, right? The last 69 games he's played, he has 10 home runs and 25 steals. Yeah. On a per game basis, he's unstoppable. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the last 171 games, he's got 19 home runs and 68 steals. I mean, it's easy to do. The problem is three years of games (laughs) and, you know, there's a, there, and this is always where the nuance is necessary. And we joke about it all the time on the, on the Sirius XM show, because, you know, we want to make sure people clearly hear what we're saying. Neither you nor I is saying that Alberto Montesi can't be a force in the fantasy game. Neither one of us is saying that. What we are saying is it's unlikely that it's going to occur because of the following 12 reasons. If the dude stayed healthy and played 150 games, he's a fantasy MVP. He's the first round pick. First round pick. Yeah. But he's not going to do it. It just, he's not going to do it. And, you know, even if he does do it, let's, let's also be clear that, you know, this guy is a 250 hitter. I mean, he, he could be less than that. He could be a 230 hitter. It's just, so even if he has a f- massive fantasy season, there's still negatives with him. You know, you get the power, you get the speed and then we'll see. But yeah, this is, you can, and, and you can, and you should take chances on players like this. You don't take a chance on a player like this in the fifth round, which mm-hmm. is what's going to happen next year. Sixth round, it's too early. Sixteenth round, go for it. But when you're talking about a guy that you're building your team around, you just can't take the risk. And, and the other guy next year, Ray, is Byron Buxton. Yeah. You know, the, these outlook. are two guys yeah. who, you know, Buxton played more games, but he's pretty well going to miss the last three and a half months of the year. I mean, I don't even know if we see Byron Buxton. <laughs> I know he's rehabbing, but it's like, can you trust that? I, I, I struggle with it. But Ray, both these guys, Mondesi and Buxton, um, they are they're gonna be such a giant risk and such a huge reward. And and that that goal, if I talk about it all the time, there, there's a ton of distance between the risk and reward there because the risk is exactly what we're getting from Mondesi, 10 games. The reward is 150 of a guy being the, the first round pick. And so those two, I, I feel better about Buxton. I do, but Ray, honestly, I don't know how much different Buxton is from Mondesi next season. Yeah. And, and they, they are, they're the kind of players that we could do all the now. I mean, let's be honest. We can do all the analysis we want. We can spend weeks breaking it down and Buxton's numbers are phenomenal, right? We could break this all. Only number that matters is plate appearances or games played, which are, that's all that matters. And no one can predict that with a certainty and no one with a straight face can say that that number is 85% of the games. Can you say mm-hmm. it's 75% of the game? Can you say it's 66% it's of the games? It's pure guessing. Yeah. So yes. it's not about the skill set and what it could be for either one of these players in the fantasy game. It's about the risk reward. And the truth is you could make the risk like everyone has done for years now and get a zero, which is what has basically been happening here. You, or not zero, a fail, right? Or you can be the person that takes the risk every year. You get the one season where it works out and you'll tell the story to your kids 20 years from now, <laughs> forgetting all the other nine years where you were. So it's always fascinating to me how people will play that game. And it's the same people usually that play that game. And it's the same people then who come August say, my team sucks. Look at all this. And you're like, well, yeah, you've got Buxton and Mondesi on it. You kind of had a high level of risk. Yeah. Well, and, and this dovetails um, to, to the next topic here. Um, in the Baseball Elite podcast as we go to the five spot in the starting nine. And it it begs the question, right? What is worse to to have a fantasy star like Mondesi who just doesn't play? But at least you can move on. You know, you can can go out and find somebody else. 
Or is it worse to have a guy you thought was a fantasy superstar and he's pretty well playing every day, but he sucks every day? <laughs> At least it seems that way. I want to talk about Christian Yelich. And, and Ray, I want to spotlight him as our player profile. We do it every show. And, you know, usually we'll talk about guys who are on a hot streak or, you know, rookies who are coming up or a pitcher who's had four straight good starts or shocking the world by, by putting up a, a super ERA or whip. Ray with Yelich, it's a player profile of just a purely disappointing player. And I I guess he has an excuse. You know, the back injury's been there, but the dude has been playing pretty well all of May, all of June, all of July, and now all of August. Now, there was a COVID issue in between there, but it's been a rough go of it. But I wonder, Ray, what is going on with Yelich, who's hitting sub 240, um, has lost all of his power. That's completely disappeared. The stolen bases are mostly gone. You know, there's a guy two years ago had 30 steals. He's got seven this year um, in about half a year. So, Ray, I just wonder when you look at the numbers, is is Yelich cooked or is there is there some unlucky yeah. fact happening here to Christian Yelich? What's going on? If you look at the batted ball data, his barrel rate is solid. It's below his career mark, but it's solid. If you look at his hard hit rate, it's slightly below his career rate, but it's solid. That's basically the positives of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the story. That's it. Yeah. Because I mean, the rest is going to be a snow shovel of negativity. Crap. Yeah. It's, you know, his, his exit velocity is down three miles an hour from the last three years, you know? And so we're talking about it going from 93 to 90 miles an hour. That's significant. Okay. It doesn't sound like, but it's significant. Um, the strikeout rate, even since the start of last season, is way up. Christian Yelich was a guy at a 20% strikeout rate year after year after year. That was where he was at. Since the start of last season, we're at like 29.5. Like it's really gone up. Now, the walk rate has been better the last two years than ever before. So he's still showing some patience, but he's not making as much contact. And more importantly, when he's making that contact, nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. I mean, you, you look at his isolated power, which basically measures your ability to create extra base hits, right? The amount of damage you can do. The previous three years, the mark was 291. This year, it's 124. He's not hmm. even half of the guy he has been. And that number is, you know, the league average is usually at 175 or something. So he's not even close this year to league average. He's simply not driving the baseball. And when you look at the, the numbers in the second half, things are getting worse. The walk rate has gone down. His ability to drive the baseball is even lower. The, the isolated power is 111. His WOBA is three, 277. League average is 318, 20, something like that. He basically is at a point now where it is not a guarantee that he should be active in your lineup. I know it's amazing to say, but it's just the truth. Even if you're in a you know 12-team league, 15, even a 15-team league, Kyle, if you had him on your bench, I'm not going to say it's a horrible idea at this point, as long as you have a legitimate person to turn to. And, and of course, Ray, he can point to the back injury and say, well, that's why I, I had a bad year. And I know we're going to hear that next spring. Mm -hmm. You know, the back feels better than ever. But this guy is now 30. Mm -hmm. And this back injury has pretty well been with him, I would say, even last season. I don't think it's getting better. I, I really do worry about Yelich. And, and he's, he's kind of a fragile looking kid, as is. Um, I don't know if he's built to play deep into his 30s which you know it's astounding this guy was like the best hitter in baseball two years ago really best hitter in baseball well mike trout and then christian yelich mm -hmm. um but but now ray he has become awful like i got i got him in a league and you know i think on sunday had an rbi double and it's like wow that's awesome you know it's like i i expect nothing but zeros from him at this point and that is a guy that so many people protected too and, and I just, you have to say, it's almost, it's impossible to protect them now. Like if you're keeping five, six guys, whatever, I don't think Christian Yelich can make the cut going into next season. His on-base percentage is higher than his slugging percentage. <laughs> you know, and I, I say this, in Tout Wars, uh, it's an on-base percentage league. So I've still basically been utilizing him because it's got a 375 on-base percentage. It's 315 or something, you know, the last two weeks here. So that's not good, but... Overall, it's 375. That's still usable, right? Um, so I've been using him most weeks. Somehow I'm in second place in Tout Wars with him and Anthony Rendon, on my, my two on-base percentage monsters that were going to hit me 60 home runs with 200 RBIs. <laughs> um, so I, I'm very happy that I've been able to, to hold on to that spot in the standings. But I, 
this week in particular, I'm, I've, I gave serious consideration to not starting him. The, the mm-hmm. only thing that saved him is that Andrew Benintendi has been dealing with the shoulder and he's been awful. And we talked earlier about Tommy Pham and I'm not certain what his playing time is going to look like with Tatis, you know, in the outfield. So this, this could be the last to last saloon week for, for Yelich. If he doesn't get going on my squad. And I'm not going to ask you, does he get back to greatness, mm-hmm. you know, MVP level, Ray, does he get back to being a top 25 outfielder? Or I, I kind of say no to that with Yelich. I mean, if I had the ability to keep six guys, he would not be one of them unless my team was terrible. And the question of the top 25 outfielders, I have to answer the question today is no. I'm hopeful I'm wrong. I've, I've, I've been on the quote unquote Yelich train since 2015, like forever, right? So um, I always thought this guy had had, had it, right? And, and we've, we've seen him develop the power to go along with the rest of his game and been phenomenal. But given what we saw last year and given the depths things have gone to this year, you know, one time it's a, it's a, okay. It happens one time it's, it's 58 games. Okay. This year has been so much worse than last season in a variety of measures that I, I would have to say no to your question at this point. And uh, might I add that Christian Yelich is still owed. Wait for it, Ray. Oh no. 182 million bucks. He is signed through the decade. <laughs> Milwaukee. There's an option in 2029. But um, Ray, he's got a contract that is through the 2029 season. Yikes. Well, it's still probably better than Steven Strasburg, the 175 million, but they're they're close. Yeah, Strasburg has had years and years and years of injuries. Yelich isn't there yet, but two years from now he may be. And and I hate it too, man. I like Yelich. I've I've got him in multiple leagues and it was so fun when he was locked in to watch him. Uh, but man, it's it's just been a total uh well I said toilet flush earlier. Let's call this a toilet flush too. That's that's what we got with Christian Yelich. Go to the six hole and let's talk Rob Povia's weekly planner and uh, highlight some of the things that he threw out there. And I gotta throw out this one, right? Mets, Mets hitters. Uh, Rob mentioned this, and again, hey, pitching matchups can change, but the Mets are out West this weekend. And Ray, that already is a lineup that isn't very enticing, you know, for fantasy players. Um, There's not a ton of success there, but this week, Ray, they're facing Gaussman, Logan Webb, Desclafani, Bueller, Max Scherzer, uh, David Price, and then some dude named Mitch White. He's he's also pitching, I think, or, or some other guy. But that's pretty crazy to look at that Mets and, and, and see them against San Francisco and L.A. And again, everybody's in different boats, Ray, but it's like, gosh, do I even play my Mets yeah. this week against that kind of arsenal of pitching? Yeah. And sometimes we look and that's why Rob's article is so good. Um, sometimes we look at, at the uh, at the situation and we say, OK, are, are they at home or away? Sometimes we then go to the next level. Well, who are they facing lefties or righties? Then we go to the next level. Who are the actual pitchers are? And you're totally right that that's a scenario that, you know, the way it's the way it's lined up looks bad. And you're going to face four guys who will get Cy Young votes. Yeah. This week, this week. (laughs) And the lineup is is wonky to begin with and Lindor and Baez. So, yeah, that's, you know, that is a that is a gauntlet. Is that the fair way to say it? Uh, Basically a gauntlet. Yeah. An infinity gauntlet is yeah. what I would call it. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's rough, and, and we'll see how it how it plays out. But uh, that's a scenario to certainly give consideration to playing other players because it does not look good for that team this week. Well, and then then we have a team that it does look good for, and and this is every time this happens. But I, I just wanted to bring it up, Ray, for people who maybe haven't followed the numbers. Colorado, uh, they're home this week, seven games. So, Ray, this is literally a Rockies team that. When they're home, you get every Rocky you can into your lineup. Yes. And when you're on the road, you bench every Rocky yep. you can. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just utterly dramatic. And like I said, I don't know if people have looked at this, but, you know, we're talking 230 points in OPS. We're talking 75 points in average. Um, they've hit, like, almost twice as many home runs at home as they have on the road, and that's in the same number of games. Like, it, it's mind-blowing. And, and Ray, the, the advanced numbers are even more profound. That this team, and it's always been that way, I get it, but I don't know if it's ever been this dramatic for every Rocky in the lineup. Yeah, and uh, someone asked me this yesterday in the chat room at Fantasy Guru. They said, hey, you know, I'm going to drop Charlie Blackman. And it's like, look, I get it. He hasn't been very good. He certainly has not come anywhere close to expectations, but I, I told the, the user, I said, look, keep him another week. 
like you got to keep them this week and see. I mean, it's they're playing in Colorado, so yeah, it, you know, and you got to get Brandon Rogers in there and all these other guys. I mean, it is pretty pronounced. I I have Elias Diaz in a couple leagues that I've been holding. I'm I held three catchers in two leagues because um, I had an injury, so I, I held Diaz through to see if he could get it done this week. So yeah, it's it's definitely a scenario where when they're playing at home, you have to give serious consideration to get that whole lineup active. And uh, if you're benching maybe some Mets um, or anybody else right now with injuries, uh, Rob brought it up in his article, some streamer possibilities. And this is something to pay attention to. We got bad teams in baseball, like really bad teams. After that trading deadline, some teams really just bagged it on the season. And, and Ray, we may forget there are actually sometimes still some players that are worthwhile. I mentioned Ortega mm-hmm. earlier. You know, the Cubs suck, but Ortega is going to lead off, so take a shot, you know, maybe total up some stats. And Rob brings up, you know, Miami and Arizona, two awful teams right now, but there might be guys, depending on your league size, that you could stream for a week or two and, and pay attention to the matchups. But, you know, he brings up Isan uh, Diaz with the Marlins or Christian Walker with Arizona, uh, Nick Ahmed with the Diamondbacks. If you need a catcher, Alfaro with the with the Marlins. And again, I, I know a lot of people have bailed and, hey, I'm in fifth place, who cares? But if, if you're looking for that extra edge or you just need category help, don't forget about these lousy teams like Rob points out. Absolutely, because a lot of the lousy teams are letting guys play every day mm-hmm. because they have no option or because they're trying to figure out what those players have moving forward. Are these guys we can keep? Are these guys that can be part of the rotation? Are these guys we're going to trade? And so, you know, I, you know, Diaz is a player that I've had in the, the Dynasty League with Sirius XM for years, and it's like, come on, man. Like, get going. Like, a productive hitter a guy that everyone looks at from the scouting community and says, this guy can be a 2075 kind of player up the middle. Like there's value to that in the fantasy game. And he just hasn't been able to get, well, he's playing every day. Miguel Rojas is, you know, he could hit 285 the rest of the way. He could hit 300 the rest of the way. He's a very solid hitter. He's running more this year than ever before too. So he's double digit steals, right? So that's, there's value there. You know, you, you see the names and they don't excite you at all, but at this time, you know, whether it's pitching that we normally focus on, but it's the same thing with hitters. You, you need those plate appearances. And there, there's no replacing being in the lineup. And a lot of these guys on these lower division teams are going to get a lot of playing time the rest of the way. And, and I think, Ray, most services offer this now. When you go to the waiver wire and you look at it, I, I think this is the point in the season where I start to actually sort guys by last two weeks. Right. Last month, which, again, long term, that's probably not the way to do it. But Things are so picked over. We got new guys in new roles. We got players who haven't played all season suddenly batting third for their team every day. And we only need them for a short time. Like there's no marriage here. This is a pickup. And if he sucks, you drop him. It's like desperation time, Ray. So sorting, sorting guys on the waiver wire by just the last two weeks is, you know, it's something I don't recommend in uh, May, but I think as we get closer to September, um, it's a way to figure out who's actually doing things over the previous 14 days. I do it now too. Yeah. Um, and we have, we have so many names. You can't catch every home run or every yeah. run scored or stolen base. And we got these fresh names, these new names. It's a way to, to really drill down to who's actually providing some numbers right now. Yeah. And I'll just say this when I'm at the waiver wire and I'm looking, I will do what you suggest search the last two weeks. I don't search by runs scored or RBIs. I search by at bats. Right. And then I look at the list and, you know, I, I and it, maybe that takes me longer than some people, but I, I sit down and look. And I think that, you know, the play like, again, the playing time is key at this point. And there will be names like we're talking about Rojas or you know, Christian Walker. It's like, you, oh, I forgot about this guy. Well, let's look. Well, he's playing every day and you know, he's hitting 260 the last two weeks. And then you look a little bit deeper and you're like, well, he's got one more walk than a strikeout. Okay. And so you start building, you know, that picture up. But, you know, playing time is, is a very good way to start your search. It's not the answer as you suggested, but it's a very good way to start your search at this period of time with so many moving parts across the landscape. In the uh, seven hole, got some news and notes uh, pretty short here uh, for today. Uh, mentioned Garrett Cole. He is set to return off of the COVID list. We'll see if uh, resting his arm, maybe we'll uh, get Garrett Cole back to being Garrett Cole. Been kind of rough in the last few starts going into that COVID test. Uh, Joe Ross, if you were into him, you know he's done for the season, partially torn to UCL. Uh, you Darvish back on the IL. Padres can't keep anybody healthy. <laughs> Fernando Tatis and everyone else, especially on the pitching side. Pomerantz is back there. It's just nuts with the Padres. And, Ray, you mentioned this name, and I wanted to, to not only bring up uh, Joe Barlow, who you touched on, but also Michael Givens with the Reds. Um, and, again, hey, waiver wires looking for saves. Your outlook on Barlow in Texas, Givens in Cincinnati, do you think 
they're going to be the guys down the stretch. Well, I will say this, that it's Monday and it's 845 in the morning Pacific coast. I'm every Monday, I write my closer grid report. So I haven't dove into this. So I will have a maybe better answer later today specifically, but my thoughts as to what I'm going to discover when I, when I do the digging is that it looks like Barlow is the guy over Patton um, with the Rangers. Um, you know, he, he, He's got 11 strikeouts per nine innings, a 33% strikeout rate in his young career. He's looked good. He's had the last couple save chances converted. Uh, I think he is, is the guy. What does that mean for a Rangers team that doesn't win a lot of games? I don't know. Is he the only guy? I, you know, I don't know. I would like to think they, they would probably try to settle here. But I think that Barlow's got a legitimate chance uh, to be successful the rest of the way. The situation with the Reds, who the hell knows? I mean, this, this has been one of the most confusing situations in baseball to try to figure out. And, you know, you look at this and, you know, Antone's been hurt and Sims has been hurt and Lorenzen has been hurt. That you know, Amir Garrett's had good stretches and horrible stretches. Heath Embry, same thing. Sean Doolittle. Uh, they've and they've that, gone through like 10 closers, yeah, haven't they? Yeah. You know, and Antone, TJ Antone has been the best reliever they've had this season and they've been reluctant because of his background I think to use him just one inning like they like the option of you know extending him pitching him two innings and that kind of thing so we all kind of looked at this and said there's a very good chance he grabs the job he never grabbed the job because of the way they utilize him and because of injuries and now it's you know let's think about this when I've written because I've written this article basically every week I've written that Emery's the number one guy. I've written that Garrett's the number one guy. I've written that Sims is the number one guy. <laughs> and now I'm writing that Givens is the number one guy. This is true. And I'm not a lunatic. That's what we have seen. I think Givens is the guy right now. He has looked good since he became a Red. Um, he clearly is the, the person that they, they trust at the moment. He does have a little bit of experience with this. He had 11 saves, yeah. nine saves a couple of years with the Orioles. But is it a comfortable call? I don't think it's a comfortable call given his career uh, to date. Yeah. I think they're going to be really matchup based unless we see a run of like five straight outings where Givens doesn't get touched, you know, when he gets five straight saves in like seven wins, you know, if, if that happens, a team will usually just ride it. Uh, but if there's any kind of slip up, we just know how the reds have been this year. They're, they're constantly making changes and they haven't really committed to a guy. So I, I don't think that commitment would really happen now. I think it's purely one of those things that we'll just play the hot hand, play the matchup, and that's what we're going to go with. So you can pick them up and maybe get lucky, but understand it's it's a total unknown, more so with the Reds right now than I think the Rangers. Let's go to the eight spot. It's time for our random reference. We go over to baseballreference.com. We click on frivolities, and then we click random pages, and we just see what we come up with. Uh, one rule, uh, it's got to be 1980 to the present. It's got to be in the fantasy baseball era and i just got a name here this counts he, he played mostly in the 70s but ray i remember him from the 80s okay. uh so let's hit on this guy and he's an old giant so you'll remember him uh gary matthews yes sarge gary matthews yes. um who you know to most of our audience who the heck is that but gary matthews ray was just one of those solid major league players for like 10 to 12 years just solid never was he yeah i guess he was a one-time all-star mm -hmm. won the rookie of the year in 1973 had some mvp worthy seasons uh san francisco atlanta philadelphia the cubs uh but really ray he's kind of lost to the to the pages of history he's kind of the perfect random reference guy yeah and he's kind of and i'm just thinking here out loud i think he's a very good comp for dexter fowler and not the beat up dexter fowler the guy that was good you know, a couple years ago because you know you, you look at you look at Gary Matthews' career slash line. I mean, three sixty four on base percentage is pretty good, pretty solid. Eight hundred OPS again, pretty solid. Almost had a thousand career RBIs. Had over a thousand career runs scored. Had two thousand career hits. Like this guy had a really good career, and over a twelve year period of time, playing for four different teams, mind you, from seventy three to eighty four, his average season was two eighty six, sixteen home runs, fifteen steals. So, yeah. yeah, he was very productive. Uh, he was part of a, a dream giant scenario. They had all these young guys in the outfield in the early 70s, and, it, you know, they didn't all stay with the Giants and et cetera, et cetera. But he was a really good player there, Kyle, for, for many, many years. And, you know, never quite had, like you said, never quite had that season that was spectacular, but just really good. 
Well, and everybody's going to remember him. Um, well, I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of fans in Chicago remember. He was like really important to that 84 Cubs team. Um, that was kind of, I mean, he finished fifth in the MVP voting. That was the year the Cubs made the playoffs. They lost to the Padres in the, in the postseason. But like Gary Matthews was a, a very important piece to that Cubs puzzle. Um, he wasn't with Philly yeah, in 80. He was with Atlanta. But he came to Philadelphia, had a couple of good years there, too. It's just solid all around, Ray. It's it's like middle of the order bat who will hit mm-hmm. you 20 homers. And back then, 20 homers was today's 30. Um, And, you know, he'll drive in 85 runs, like you noted. And, you know, nowadays, that's like 100 rubies. So <laughs> it's, it, you know, very different game. We're going back over 40 years. But that's a guy, Ray, who, um, you know, a good baseball player. Not There's no Hall of Fame case here. It's just, hey, he's a good baseball player. Yeah, and if you look at that that rookie season of his of, with the Giants, um, you know, he hit 300, 12 home runs, 17 steals. Gary Maddox hit 319, 11 home runs, 24 steals. Bobby Bonds, the veteran of the group, Barry's dad, 39 home runs, 43 <laughs> steals, and hit 283. I mean, that, again, that's why people in the barrier were so excited. Those were three dynamic talents that as a combination of players, you know, hit over 300 while stealing 20 plus bases and hitting 20 home. I mean, they, they really had some excitement there with the team that, by the way, also included an aging Willie McCovey. Yeah, uh, good enough to finish third in the NL West back in 73, but they were 88 and 74. Divisions were much different back then, too. Amazing to look at 73, Ray. Um, and this is before Ray's time, but uh, total attendance at Candlestick, mm-hmm. 830,000 people. Yeah. That's for 81 games. What was, what was that, 10,000 a game? <laughs> for a stadium <laughs> that held 60. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, I, by the way, recently um, at Baseball Guys on Twitter, I posted a photo of a candlestick before they enclosed it. People may not remember the park or, or the fact that, you know, the, the stadium is basically right on the bay. And when they built it, the stadium wasn't enclosed. So in the outfield, there was just fences in the bay behind it. So it's a really interesting way to look at it because you're so used to seeing walls and the huge stadium. In the old days when that stadium was built, you were just looking out at the bay. That is our random reference, uh, Gary Matthews, the uh, old outfielder for a few teams, most notably Cubs, Phillies, and Giants. Okay, Ray, time to wrap things up on this podcast. Stamp of approval time. What do you got? I had a, a slowish weekend, which I liked. It was a planned scenario. Went to the beach on um, Sunday with the dog and all that kind of stuff. But my, my stamp of approval goes to a good book. And I say that because for me, at least, I like to read still. I like books. I don't like tablets and all that kind of stuff. And it's really cool to sit down, even if you only got like an hour. It doesn't have to be like you spend all day. Just to sit down with a good book. And uh, I, I'm historian-based with a lot of my readings. I like to read you know, biographies and all that kind of stuff. And I've been in the, uh, the game of the presidents and the foundation of the United States and all that kind of stuff. And the book that I, I'm reading this weekend was uh, James Swanson's Manhunt. Uh, talking about you know the, the assassination of, of Abraham Lincoln, but a good book, Kyle, and, and you can tell pretty quickly when the writer is good. You know, sometimes you read and it's a little stiff and a little stilted. Other times you look up and you're 37 pages in and you're like, wow, yeah. I just felt like it's been three minutes. Well, it's especially history writers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> can't get dense. Yeah, it can be sti- as stiff as you put it. Um, stamp of approval for me, uh, and I know, hey, in San Francisco on the West Coast, you have these things everywhere, but I had not been to our local farmer's market here in St. Louis in ages. Been a long, long time. Um, they've got an old, I mean, this thing's been in business for over 200 years. Wow. Um, it's in Soulard, which is, Soulard is, um, it's kind of a party area now for for youngsters, and they have a huge Mardi Gras every year. It's, it's just to the south of Bush Stadium. If you've ever been to, to the St. Louis, Soulard is a little neighborhood just to the south. Very old, you know, a lot of brick buildings, all that good stuff. But we hadn't been to the market. We said, oh, let's go to the market on Saturday morning. And it was phenomenal. It was great. Now, $4 Bloody Mary's help. Ooh. But yeah, four bucks. Nice. God knows what kind of vodka was going in there, but it was it was good. Um, it, it, it hit all the right spots. But man, the, 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 the food that was available was fantastic. Um, you know, we've all been through this crap for the last 20 months. So it was kind of good to be out with people. Um, you know, just kind of doing the thing. We were able to get vegetables. My wife would not stop. It, it, I kind of thought it was weird, but she was raving about the corn on the cob. Like, I don't yeah. think she'd ever had corn. On the, it, it was better than <laughs> store-bought, but I, I just thought it was good. Uh, peaches, too. The peaches were uh, out of this world. So 
farmers markets. Those are good. Ray, Ray probably can walk out his door and see four farmers markets from his doorstep. Uh, at my old house, I had a 10 minute walk to the farmers market. At my current place, because it's uphill, it takes about 15 minutes. But mm -hmm. uh, we'd have it's, it's at the local junior college here and it's a big one on the weekend. And so it's a lot of fun. I agree with you. It's, it's great to get out there and see the folks that are, you know, selling out of the back of their trucks with their farm yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's nice. And like I said, this one is not a hipster farmer's market. I know those exist everywhere, but this one, like I said, 200 years, things open all the time. So uh, kind of on me, I, I had screwed that up. My kid loved it too. It, you know, being around people, playgrounds, noise, food, all sorts of good stuff. And a lot of things I'd never eat, Ray. Like, you know, speaking of West Coast versus Midwest, like, it, it, like pig's ears and stuff like mm -hmm. every piece of pork you could ever imagine it was available right a lot of stuff i will not touch but oh. it was all there be adventurous Kyle. come on yeah not not that adventurous like pork rinds were adventurous for me i think um that will do it for this edition of the baseball elite podcast ray where can the folks find you this week on twitter at baseball guys on instagram at the ray flowers uh in the chat room at fantasy guru open every day taking your comments questions all that kind of good stuff um, you can also find me doing some podcasts this week, um, one with you actually on the football side of things. And that's something to bring up to folks that our football product at fantasyguru.com is available. Uh, we have 5050 podcasts for the preseason product. We've got all the rankings you could ever want. We've got a draft book. Uh, we've got a draft guide for dynasty, a draft guide for best ball. The rankings are updated based upon all the information coming down and all that. So We'll be over there too at fantasyguru.com. Not just baseball, but football, of course, as well, Kyle. Yeah, ditto, ditto, ditto of everything Ray said. Also doing the serious show on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. So you can find us there. Of course, we're back with you next Monday. Uh, hope you have a good week, a winning week. And we'll be talking about more no-name pitchers, I'm guessing, next week. Uh, that, that would be my guess. Uh, for Ray Flowers, I'm Kyle Alfred. Great to have you with us. Hope you uh, appreciate it. This edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast at fantasyguru.com. 